A few months ago, I met up with some of our leaders in the church, some of the people who serve in different departments of the church, and, and we usually kind of meet up together uh, regularly here and there, and, and I did a whole series uh, just talking about the church and how a church should function and, and what are the biblical concepts of church and, and things like that, and, and it was mainly made for them, and, and we had a really good time. We went away on a retreat to, not far away, but just here to Gaston in a nice place, and and, and so... At the end of it, we decided that, you know what, maybe we should bring it to the church. You know? And so that's what we're doing today and next Sunday. I am going to be talking about a series called Church on Fire. Amen? I'm going to talk about the biblical concept of the local church. Because most people have never been taught in the biblical doctrine of the church, they, they, they might grow up in church, they might have attended church, they might think, well, I don't know, there is some denomination here and there, or this church is different, they have loud music, they don't have loud music, here everybody looks like they're going to a funeral, there everybody looks like they're going to a party, uh, I don't know, uh, there is some differences, uh, but, but what is God's idea? You know, because all denomination is, is denomination is man's idea. Man says that, hey, this is what I'm comfortable with, this is what I like, and so I'm going to find scripture to prove it, and this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> but what we have to do is constantly go to this one thing. The Bible says, many are plans in a man's heart, but it is God's purpose that will prevail. And so what we have to do is ask this question, what is God's purpose for the church? Amen. And so I'm going to talk about some basic foundational principles. Now I know we are talking about the church they are handing out some notes that you can kind of follow through and fill out. And uh, there should be two sections of those notes. One just says our core values, but not everybody I see in the front doesn't have any of the outline. Oh, Cheryl's coming. Okay. And what I'm going to be talking about is just basic foundation principles. Now, they apply not only to the church, but they apply to your life. Not only to your life. To, if you are a person in this place, God has called you to business. Well, you can apply these principles to business. Okay? And so, uh, of course, today we are going to take it and modify it for the church. But here's what I want to say to you. If you would heed what I'm saying, if you pay attention to what I'm saying, if you take seriously what I'm saying, you could literally change your personal life to bring it clarity and direction in what it is that God wants from your life. Amen? Not only that, you could be an added asset to the church. Why? Because, hey, you know what the church is all about in the way that God pictured it. And so you say, hey, where is my place in the church? Amen? And so I'm hoping that today and hoping that next Sunday, and then if it requires, I'll probably do another one, uh, just to teach some basic principles regarding local church. Are we okay? Yeah. Huh? And so they're handing out things. Uh, I think there's some pens and stuff like that available so you can take notes and stuff like that. Uh, and so let's pray and let's <laughs> begin. Okay? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your anointing. And Lord, in this next two weeks, Lord, as we talk about this, Holy Spirit, help me to present what is needed and cut out what is not needed. I pray that you would open up hearts to receive and to see clearly, I pray, oh God. 
In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen and amen. Are you ready? Everybody say, a church on fire. I'm going to begin with this scripture in the book of Ephesians chapter number 5, verse 2. Can we read it together? Okay. Let's read. 3, 2, 1. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love, cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like Amen. I like in the book of Ephesians, almost in every chapter, I've got a favorite verse. And in chapter number five, I've got about six of them. And this is one of them. It's in Ephesians 5 to it says, listen, mostly what God does, he loves you. He loves you. He says this, he says, keep company with him. Why? So you can learn how to love. You can learn how to love. It says, observe, keep company, observe. Why? Because he's not loving to get something out. He's loving to give something. Sometimes what we do in relationship, well, well, what can I get out of it? Hello, somebody. Sometimes in church, well, I go to this because this is what I get out of it. The question is not what you're getting out of something. The question is, what are you giving into something? Hello, somebody. What are you giving? You know, your whole dynamic would change in relationship, and especially in the church, if you thought, hey, it's not a place of selfishness. I feel something for myself. But it's something where, where, where what God has put in my life, I'm able to give it away to people. Amen. And so many times people say, well, I, I want the church. Why? Because the church does this for me. The church does that for me. The church this. Listen, but what is it that you are doing? In giving something away. He said, listen, keep company. Observe how Christ loved us. Amen. And so the Bible says God is love. Amen. And so what does God love? Well, God loves the world. Amen. We have the famous scripture verse, for God so loved the world. Amen. What does that mean? That means that people matter to God. That means that people are significant to God. That means how you treat people is very important. How you treat people who maybe have a different storyline than yours. Maybe they have a different background than yours. Hello, somebody. Why? Because God loves the world. How do you love? He says, observe Christ. Why? Keep company so you can learn how he loves the world so that you and me can learn to love the world as Christ loved. Am I making sense to you? What does God love? Well, God loves the world. Number two, God loves the church. Hello, somebody. God loves the church. The Bible says, Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wife just as Christ loved the church. Hello, somebody. Jesus loves the church. Amen. Now, let, let, let me do this on the spot. Uh, Brian, can I ask you a question? Sure. 
what would you do? Uh, you, can, you, you, got a, you don't need a mic here. <laughs> what would you do if somebody in front of you was talking smack about your wife? <laughs> Time to be. Would you like it? There's a doctrine of laying on of hands in Hebrews. <laughs> Brother Ralph, what would you do if somebody was talking smack about your wife? I'd stop him right in the middle of whatever he's talking about. Hello, somebody. If God loves the church, I wonder what happens to those people who talk smack. He's only got one. And sometimes we got to be careful how we think and talk about something that God feels something so passionate about. And so when we talk about the church, some questions arise. If the church is so important, why did Jesus only mention it twice? If the church is so important, why is there no command or instructions given in the Bible on how to plant one? If the church is so important, how come they set in motion a process that impacted the nations and still impacting 2,000 years later without a building, without social media, without YouTube? Hello? If the church is so important, how come we are not seeing the results like what we see and read about in the book of Acts? Am I making sense here? Listen, God loves the world. Number two, God loves the church. Amen. The Bible says something like this. You know the story. Jesus went around asking people. He says, who do say men say that I am? And some said, well, you're John, you're, you're John the Baptist. You're like this. You're like that. You're Elijah and blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly the Holy Spirit came upon Peter. He opened his mouth and he said, listen, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. And not only that, Jesus turned around and said, hey, listen, you are Peter, Petros. And upon this confession of your faith, he says, I will build my church. The Bible says something like this. It says, verse 18, I will give you the name Peter, a stone, and that is truth of who I am, and I will be a bedrock foundation on which I will build my church, my legislative assembly, and the power of death will not be able to overcome it. Amen? I like the Amplified. The Amplified says something like this. I tell you, Peter, which means Petros, a large piece of rock, and on this rock, Okay. I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the power of the infernal region, shall not overpower it or be strong to it. And it connects, it says, listen, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose from heaven. Amen. And so Jesus goes to this town, Philippi. And in the midst of this town, he tells people, hey, listen, I am... <laughs> The son of God. <laughs> Not only that, he said, I have come to build a church, my church. You know? And this church will have power over the present evil that is there. It will have power over the present idols that are there. It will have power over any work of the enemy. And so it's not just some kind of nice four people praying in the back room somewhere. No, it is a legislative body. 
It has some purpose. It has some notion that God had in mind. Okay. And so here's what I'm going to do for the next few moments. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, there are many, 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 many words used for the English word called church. Okay. All of them are categorized in three words that I'm going to pull up on the screen in just a moment. Why? Because when you understand the definition for it, you also get the nature of what God had in mind regarding what the church is. Okay. And so there are three words that are there. The first word is, anybody want to take a guess at it? <laughs> It comes from two words, okay? It comes from two words. The first word is the word called cure. Cure, like you cure something, you know? Cure. And the A is silent and it's cure con. Cure con. What it simply means is this. It means people who belong to the Lord. People who belong to the Lord. To the Lord, you know. For example, there would be a sounding of alarm, and and they would say that the cure con come together. Who are these people? Is it anybody? Is it those people who heard the sound? No, those who belong to the Lord, they come together. That's one word. I'm going to put it together in just a minute. The second word is the word called kahal. It's, it's actually ke, uh, kahal. It appears over 70 times in the Bible. And, and it means God's people call together in order to listen to or to act for God. Kahal. It means God's people or God's assembly or God's congregation. That have been called together in order to listen or to act. For example, when you read the Psalms, the Psalmist would say something like this. God, I will praise you in the midst of your congregation. That means in worship there is a dialogue going on. God has called them together to worship. But it's not only to worship. There is something coming from God for the gathered assembly to listen to or to Act on. Okay, and so kahal means say, God's people call together in order to listen to or to act for God. And the third most common word that is used in the Western society is the word called ecclesia. Ek means ecclesia, okay? And so the word ek means to be. Called out. Okay. Lazia, which simply means this, to be called out together as a group. And so, ecclesia means somebody who is called out of something and put together. Okay. And so, I take these three words and I want to put it all together and give you four simple things. Okay. And that is this. The church that Jesus is building. Church is not a denomination. Church is not a brick and mortar. Church is not just a name on a side of the building. Okay. The church is these four things that we see from the definition of these words. And that is this. Number one, a church that Jesus is building is number one, called out. 
connected to God confronts darkness and champions <laughs> an invasion of earth with heaven's reality. Okay. Listen to this. Number one, it is someone that is called out like Abram. The Bible says Abram was in the earth of Chaldees. He was worshiping the moon God and he was called forth. Abraham, get out. That means that calling came with power and authority and freedom and everything that he was connected to darkness was left behind and he came out of that. It's the children of Israel. They were called out of Egypt, a place of bondage, a place of slavery, a place of trickery. They were called out of Egypt. Okay. And so, listen, who is the church? Church are those people who've been called out of darkness, out of bondage, out of the grip of sin and death. Am I making sense to you? Number two, they're not only called out, they are connected to God. That means you have a belonging and an identity. Amen. If somebody asks you, who are you? You are not Methodist. Who are you? You're not Presbyterian. You are connected to God. You have a belonging and identity. Who are you? A child of God. Who are you? God is your father. You have an identity and a belonging that is not to a name. That is there to God. Am I making sense to you? As who is the church? The church is number one, they are called out people from the grips of darkness and Satan. Number two, they are connected to God. They have a belonging and an identity. Number three, who is the church? They confront darkness. The Bible says this, listen, I will build my church and what will they do? Listen, they will bind and loose. That means those things that are not right, those things they will buy, those things that need to happen. Hey, listen, they will confront that darkness and bring light into those areas. Am I making sense to you? And so please understand, the church is not a place that, hey, whatever is happening in the city that's on that side, what's happening in the church that's on this side, you do what we want, we do what we want. No. The church is the salt and light. The church is the influencing factor. The church is God's secret weapon. The church is God's agent. For what? Number four, the church is championed by God. Jesus himself champions the church to do what? To invade earth with heaven's reality. What does that mean? That means the church is very much interested in what's happening in city. It's very much interested in what's happening in the school. It's very much interested in what's happening in government. It's very much interested in what's happening in families. Why? Because the church is concerned not with your agenda, not with what you like or don't like. The church is championed by Jesus with his agenda, his plan. And so please understand, we don't care. What is it that you want? What we care is, what is it that Jesus wants? Because you and me are not building the church. It's Jesus who's building the church. It's his idea. Hello, somebody. And so they're championed to invade earth 
with heaven's reality. And so Jesus taught his disciples, hey, this is how you have to pray. Why? You're not just praying to a God, you're praying to a Father. Amen? Not just that one of the things you got is this. You got to pray in a way that you bring heaven's reality to earth. There's an invasion taking place. Hello, somebody. The church is a militant body. The church is a militant body. It is not you do what you want. Listen. I don't like the church. Jesus doesn't care. <laughs> doesn't care. It's amazing. People say something like this. People say, well, I don't like the church. I went to church. Church people are hypocrites. Did you look at your own family first? Before you blame something, start with you. Listen, this is what I'm saying. The problem with a lot of people is they connected to church before they connected to Jesus. There's something like that. I'm not going to church. Why? Because the pastor steals money. Pastor does like this. I'm not going to church. Jesus, I like. Listen, that's because you connected to church before you connected to Jesus. And you should never connect to church before you connect to Jesus. Am I making sense to you? And and listen, you are not called to bring people to church. You are called first to bring people to Jesus. Because if they don't connect to Jesus, you will not understand. There is no transformation because the church is not full of perfect people. The church is people who have been called out, who's got a storyline you might not like. Who's got a background that you might not agree with. But they've been called out. They've been connected. They've been dealing with darkness. And please understand, they've been championed to take heaven's agenda and and, and connect and bring it to earth. And so it must begin with you connecting to Jesus. Because if you don't understand that, everything else becomes legalism. Am I making sense to you? And so, listen, the church is called out. The church is connected together. The church confronts darkness. The church is champion to invade earth with heaven's reality. And the Bible says in Colossians 1.18, he is the head of the body, the church. That means Jesus is the head of the church. Amen? He is the head of the church. And so anytime you come against the church, you come against the head. He says, this is what I love. How? Because Jesus loves the church. How does he love the church? Well, number one, Jesus loved the church sacrificially. Sacrificially. Why? He himself laid down his life. He loves the church sacrificially. Number two, he (laughs) loves the church redemptively. What does redemptive mean? It means, hey, he's willing to pay a price for something he values. He says, he purchased. He says, therefore take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. Amen. He loved the church sacrificially. He loved the church redemptively. And number three, he loves the church unconditionally. Unconditionally. Why? Because he doesn't wait for you to get your act together. 
He said, well, you know, get your act together. Let me watch you for six months. See if you're saying, doing everything that you say. And okay, now you got a good track record. And so maybe I'll, I'll pour a little bit of love. No, the Bible says something like this. While you were yet sinners, Christ died. <laughs> While you were sinners. Our love is different. Our love is, let me see if you can, if you really say the person that you are. That's us. But he loved unconditionally. Everybody say, Jesus, Jesus. loves the church. Loves the church. So, so, I will love the church. Love church. Amen? Amen? Now, when we talk about the church, the church in the Bible is in two dimensions. It's number one is what we, again, this might be a bad word to use this morning, but, 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 but we call this universal church. What does the universal church mean? When Jesus says, I will build my church, that means he's talking about every person, every person that has put their faith in Jesus and the finished work of the cross and that has experienced the born again salvation experience. They are no longer slaves. Now they become part of the family of God or what we would say, we use this word called the universal church. That means people now, that means people 200 years ago, that means people a thousand years ago who has put their faith in Jesus. Please, they are part of what we call the universal church. Okay? They're part of the universal church. The second dimension of the church is what we call the local church. What is the local church? That means in this whole sphere of everybody that is a Christian, there is a smaller community. There is a smaller community of people who God has called out. Who God has connected to him. Who God has uh, confronted darkness. Who God has championed. Uh, what we use the word called a local church. Okay? And so, majority of the New Testament, I would say almost 80% of the New Testament is addressed towards not a believer. It's addressed towards the local church. It is a church in a region, whether it's a church in Galatia, whether it's a church in Philippines, whether it's a church in, in Colossians, whether it's the seven churches in Revelation. The things that are written in the New, they're addressed to the local church who the believers comprise of. And so how do you know the Bible says local church? Well, but, but Matthew 18, it says something like this. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained a brother. If he'll not hear you, take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Now, it's not talking about, hey, get on YouTube, get on social media, and let the whole church in the world know. No, it's talking about the local church where you've been planted by God, where you are connected with people who are your local church family. We have verses like this in the Bible. (laughs) It's a good verse for you to memorize. (laughs) Ecclesiastes 5. Keep your foot. Give your mind to what you're doing when you go to the house of God. For to draw near to hear and obey is better than to give the sacrifices of fools carelessly, irreverently, too ignorant to know that they are doing evil. He said, listen, when you go to your local church, I mean, when you gather together, it's better you stay away and don't do anything than to come 
and give the sacrifice of fools. That means you're just going through the motion, but your heart is still at home. <laughs> Am I making sense? He said, you come, why? Learn the life of Jesus. He came to do what? To, to love people. Amen. So when you come to church, here's what I want to say to you. Be present. Be present. Okay. Listen to this. First Timothy 3.15. I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God. Some people need to be taught how to behave with people. They're good alone. But they're a mess when they come out. It's like, who let you out? Some people have to be taught. Why? Because they don't know how to conduct themselves in an honorable manner. That means whatever I do when I come together, I don't have me in mind, I've got you in mind. Why? Because I came together for you. How can I bless you? How can I impart to you? How can I add life to you? How can I lift you up? How can I support? That's why I came together Sunday morning. Hello, somebody. Listen, David said something like this. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God. David says, listen, my affection is where? In the house of my God. Amazing. You know this one. This one everybody knows when something wrong going on. They know this Bible verse. He says, Jesus went into the temple of God and drew out all those who bought and sold in the temple. <laughs> and overturned tables of money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind, listen to this, when Jesus cleansed out the temple, this is what happened. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. It's like he attached this verse to what was going on. It didn't seem like it needs to be part of the world, but it's part of the story. And, and, and then again, people have a misunderstanding. So they read something like this. They said, oh my goodness, they were selling stuff in church. And so most people think we should not sell anything in church. Look at them. They are doing a fundraiser. They are selling apple pies for the youth group. That's not what it means. Let me give you a rundown of what it means very quickly. In those times, three times a year that people had to come to Jerusalem. They had to come to Jerusalem. Why? To worship the Lord. Whenever they came to worship the Lord, the Bible tells us in the book of Leviticus chapter 1 through 7, it tells us that when you come, you have to bring an offering of sacrifice to the Lord. You cannot come, Deuteronomy 16, 16, cannot come before the Lord empty-handed. You come before the Lord with something. And so whenever they went, they had to take a sacrifice. But not any sacrifice. They had to take a sacrifice according to their category. For example, in Leviticus 1 and 2, it tells us that there were those people who had oxen. Cows and buffaloes and oxes. Then there were those people who had sheep and goats. And there were those people who had doves, birds. Like three different categories. We use a different word today. We use middle class. People with low income. 
people on the other side of the track having a nice house. I understand what I'm trying to say. And he says, when you come to church, he says, listen, don't come empty-handed. You give out of your portion. That means, listen, if you are a person who's, who's the birds category, you are not required to give an oxen. The woman who came to Jesus, and the Bible says, we all like to use that story in offering time. She gave everything because she had only that much. And so, listen, if you take it in numbers, let's just do it in numbers. Listen, this person in this category gave $10. Why? Because that's all she has. Now, the person in the auction category, multimillionaire, gives $20. That's an insult. Why? Because it's not the amount of money. The Bible says give according to what? The blessing that you have received. And so, what used to happen in those times, (laughs) same problem we have today. He says, people are not coming to church. So let's make it convenient. Let's make it easy. God doesn't like convenient and God doesn't like easy. Every time Jesus had a crowd, his number one goal, let's get rid of them. Crowd came, he looked at the mountain. Let's see who will climb the mountain with me. He start climbing the mountain. 10,000 people suddenly came to 120 people. <laughs> Why? As long as it's convenient. He said, I don't want the convenient people. And so, what did these people do? He said, oh my goodness, we are in Columbia. These people are coming from Charlotte. These people are coming from Virginia Beach. These people are coming from Jacksonville. And, and they've got to get a goat, put it in their, 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 their oxen, and come three days with that goat. All the way. And then come and prepare that goat and give that goat as a sacrifice. Let's make it easy. Listen, as the church, we will have store number one, we will sell doves and birds. Store number two, we will sell sheep and goats. Store number three, we will sell cows and oxen. So whatever you carry, no need to do all this mess. Just come to worship and buy it here. You see, what they did not understand was Jesus not, was interested in sacrifice. He was interested in their sacrifice. What does that mean? It's very different when you have that little, (laughs) Mary had a little lamb. And you're feeding that lamb, giving it food, (laughs) giving it a name. And then four days with you, your kids are playing with it, (laughs) checking on it, feeding it. And then you come to church. Oh my God. No, let's not give this one. <laughs> let's just buy another one. Why? Because it's not your sacrifice. I'm telling you, there are people, you say something about their dog, they will smack you. You say something about Jesus, they won't say anything. What happened to Pastor Nikki? You're so nice till now. Listen, as soon as they took away convenience... The blind, the lame. And, uh, listen, I said something like this. The cages broke and the dove was released. The reason the dove is not in the church is we made a lot of cages. We made a lot of cages. We've missed out. Why? And so the, the church is a place of purity. It's, it's a place of praise, a place of prayer. It's a place of power 
Amen? Now, let me shift a little bit. The Bible says, when you study the book of Acts, that there were two churches. They were the main headquarter churches. And one was in Jerusalem. The other was in Antioch. They were like the two headquarters where missionaries and things went out from everywhere. And in one of the places, the Bible says something like this. As they traveled from town to town, they presented simple guidelines that the Jerusalem apostles and leaders had come up with. That turned out to be most helpful. Day after day, the congregations became stronger in faith and larger in size. What happened? The Jerusalem church, the leadership got together, they prayed, they fasted, they heard from the Lord and they said, hey, listen, God has given us some wisdom. God has given us some guidelines. We wanted to spread to all the churches. They didn't go to a church growth conference to figure out, hey, what did you do? I'll copy you. Oh, this worked for you? No, they went to God. Because they thought this is God's idea. And so God must have something. And God must want something. And so they went to God. And they took those ideas. They took the guidelines. And they said, hey, listen. Let's go around and tell everybody what God said. And the Bible says, when they spoke to all the local churches. In Philippi. In Samaria. In Judea. In in Ephesus. Listen. The churches were stronger in faith. And larger in size. And listen, the reason that we are doing this for the next two Sundays is because, hey, I want IFC to become stronger in faith and larger in size. Am I making sense to you? Why? Not my idea. I am not the one building God's idea. And and so I want to give you five things very quickly. These are five simple things you can apply to your personal life. You can apply to your business. You can apply to the church. These five things are very important because they become the foundation of anything that is result-oriented. Okay? And so five simple things. Why? Because please understand, everyone has some unique things about themselves. For example, they have a thumbprint. You have a thumbprint that's unique. You have an eye print that is unique. That's why they scan your eyes. You have a heartbeat that is your DNA. You have a footprint. But most importantly, you have a voice print. That means your voice is unique. Am I making sense? Listen, Nikki, what are you trying to say? Well, there are five things I want to present to you. They all begin with the word V. Okay. And in an order, I'm going to present to you in the next few moments. Number one, you need to have... A voice. You need to have a voice. What is voice? Your voice print, it identifies who you are. Okay. What is your voice? What is it that God has put in your life that you are sending a message, that you are communicating? What is that? What is unique to you? That when people hear that, when people know about it, when people read about it, when people experience they say, well, you know what? Hey, that's Josiah. That's Daniel. Am I making sense to you? Why? It's unique to you. What is unique to you? Listen, if you're a businessman, let me ask you this question. What is unique to you? What is unique to you? That you say, you know what? This is completely different. For example, you can have McDonald's 
and you can have Burger King. And people that don't have a business mind, they will say something like this. Well, they both sell burgers. No, they don't. McDonald's says, hey, our secret sauce is the Big Mac. We don't have burger. We have Big Mac. We have the secret sauce. Burger King says, hey, our, burger, our meat is not like warm like them. It's flame grilled. And that's why wherever you go, you will have a McDonald's right next to it, a Burger King right next to it, a Hardy. Listen, a stupid person thinks, hey, there is four burger places here. Let's go to the other side of town. There is nothing there. And let's open a burger shop there. Stupidity. You go anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. You go to New York, you find one electronic shop, and you'll find 50 next to it. Why? Because they have something unique. They say, hey, let's pull on the bottom line. Let's pull the whole crowd here. Instead of them going in 10 directions, and let them give what we have unique. Am I making sense? You go anywhere in the world. You find one clothing shop, you find 25 around it. Am I making sense to you? Anytime you move away from uni, you get threatened. I can't believe he opened the church right next to me. No, open one, please. I am not threatened if somebody comes and opens one church across the street. People will go there, go. Why? Because I'm not building. I've got a unique thing that God has given Am I me? I'm secure in the... What is, well, let me say one, two, three things for you quickly. Number one, our name. The reason we chose International Family Church is, is because God said to build an international church. Not a white church, not a black church, not an Indian church, not a this church, not a that church, but an international church. Amen. And so that's why if you look around, there are people from many, many different nations, many, many different races. Why? Because that's our strength is to be international. We're going to keep it international. It's not going to be one color, one race. No, it's going to be international. Why? Because heaven is international. Might as well get used to it here. Number two. I wanted to call it family. Why? Because I wanted to have a family environment. Hello, somebody. Why? Because the New Testament is a family. It will say something like this. When you, you read Book of Peter, it says, fight like brothers. <laughs> you got brothers, you will fight. You got sisters, you will fight. But what you can never do, <laughs> they are not my brother. No, you didn't choose that. <laughs> and so I wanted to have a, a Family environment. And number one, I didn't want to have the Lions Club. Didn't want to have some kind of society. No, God is building a church. Who's the church? The called out. The connected to God. Who's the church? The one who confronts darkness. Who is the church? The one who is championed to invade earth with heaven's reality. Amen. The Bible says something like this in the Great Commission. Go into all the world and do what? And preach. What does preach mean? Give voice. Let me ask you a question. If you're a business person, what is your voice? What is unique to you? What is something that you say, you know what? Hey, this is what separates me from the person next door. It's amazing. You find one gas station, now we got this Murphy open up right across the street. You know? You find another gas station, 
You can have three gas stations. Nowadays, it's like, who can build the biggest gas station? That's the new thing going on. <laughs> they don't care. There might be 150 pumps here. Still, there's another one next to it, 25 pumps. It's like, you're never going to make it. We've got 150 pumps. You only got 20. I know, but there's something that people like. They will leave you 150 and come here. Why? Because we got something unique. There is a reason that you pass KFC, and when you see Chick-fil-A, there's a reason you pass KFC. They both sell chicken. But you go to McDonald's, can't understand half the thing they're saying to you or you're saying to them. Why don't you go to McDonald's? Because the speaker thing don't work. Every time I order Sprite, they give me fries. So I go Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Are you understand what I'm saying? It's not that chicken is any better. It's not that you, I like the chicken. No, it's as bad as for you as any other burger place. <laughs> Read the content. They make it in peanut oil for those who have peanut allergies. It's as bad as for you. You're not buying the sandwich. You're buying the experience. You're buying the consistent, right? Because there's something that is consistent. And here's what I want to say to you. Church, go into all the world and preach. You've got a voice. That voice is fourfold. It is redemptive. It is prophetic. It's moral. And it's humanitarian. What does that mean? That means this, that listen, there is something that God has given unique that God wants you to restore back to its original condition. Number two, there is something that God is saying, hey, I want to show something to the people. Say something to the people that talks about my nature. Number three, I want to bring alignment that, listen, we are not just doing church. We are not just doing business any way we want. No, there is morality. We are just not doing the right thing. We are just doing the right thing the right way. And we are meeting the needs of people. Am I making sense? You know, the other day, there's a circle key next to my house. I, I went to fill gas there. I think Thanksgiving time. They are giving away turkeys. Gas station giving away turkeys <laughs> during Thanksgiving. Why? So people in need. Right now, QT, Circle K. I mean, they are one of the top gas stations in America. Over $3.9 billion industry right now. Why? The gas is the same price. But because of this, they're doing something for the community. And so only poor people look at the gas price and drive 20 miles because it's five cents cheaper the other way. <laughs> the others are not buying gas. The others are buying an experience. Vision. Dale Modi says, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. And so the second V is vision. Vision is what is the voice in pictures. That means, hey, this is unique to me, and this is the way it's seen. It's seen this way. Okay, so second thing is vision. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. When they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. They are most blessed. And so our vision at church is based on two things. It's sourced in two things. Number one, an unchanging biblical principle. 
there are three things in the scripture that we value. Number one, we value the great commandment. What is the great commandment? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen? And these signs shall follow them that believe. That's what we value. Number two, we value the great charge. What is the great charge? It's Paul saying to Timothy, be instant in season and out of season. Preach, teach, correct, and speak to them in a way that adds life. Number three, the great so, sorry, I messed up. I thought that was commission. The, the great commission. I already said that. But the great commandment. What is the great commandment? You love the Lord, your God, and you love people. And so, vision is sourced for us, church, out of these three things. The great commandment, the great charge, and the great commission. Our vision embodies that. Number two, our vision embodies prophetic revelation. What does that mean? That means what is it that God has said to us as a church? That means there's an unchanging principle. This is what the word of God says. That is God's idea regarding the church. Number two, prophetic revelation. What does that mean? That means, hey, how is, what are some of the things that God has said for you to do? Okay. Now, what is the Holy Spirit saying? What are some of the promises? Now, if you have been part of IFC for any number of uh, years... Maybe you don't know this, and I'm going to just kind of say it to you right now. There are at least one, two, three, four, five. These are five Bible verses that are what I call IFC verses. That means when we started the church, these are five verses God gave us. It says, these are IFC verses. Build on these verses. That means IFC and those that are members of IFC, I want to say to you today... Know these verses. Memorize these verses. If you're going to be part of this body, listen, get these verses in your spirit. Somebody wakes you up 2 o'clock at night, they say, what are things that I, God has spoken to IFC? You'll be able to say those verses. What are those verses? Well, there's one you see every Sunday. People that do know their God shall do, amen, shall live strong, do exploit. Psalm 68. In the God's word translation, God places lonely people in families. He leads prisoners out of prison into productive lives. <laughs> Acts 3.19, God says, times of refreshing. It says, epoch making periods of spiritual revival and refreshment from the presence. These are our foundational promises that God has given IFC. That's why we started the church. We didn't start a church because we had nothing to do. We started the church. And so these are the foundation verses, putting it all together. Every Sunday when I start, I tell you what the vision, you go to the bathroom, it's printed there. You go to the hallway, it's printed there. (laughs) And every Sunday I tell you, our vision is we do three things. Number one, to know and pursue God. It comes from the great commandment. The second thing we do is we live strong and prepare leaders. Comes from the great charge in Timothy. Do exploit and pilot God's purpose. It comes from the great commission. And so, what do you do at IFC? <laughs> Just three things. <laughs> Number one, we know and pursue God. That means everything that we do, how can we get people to know and pursue God? What do you do? Hey, we live strong. We want to have strong Marriages, strong business leaders, strong husbands, strong strong family life. Amen? And prepare leaders. Who are you leading? Yourself. 
If you can't lead you, you've got no business leading others. Amen. And number three, we do exploits. God has called us to do great things, not just great things, but something that the purpose of God is in. Amen. Just a few more minutes and, and we'll, we will we'll go. We don't need the worship team today. So no need. I, I want you all guys, uh, the worship team to just come back in church. Caleb and Benji and them. Number three is the vehicles. What does vehicle mean? Vehicle means, hey, this is the vision. How is it going to happen? How is it going to go from A to B? How are you making this happen? You say this stuff, but what is the channel? What is the vehicle? Well, let me say something like this. You can take a picture of it, and then I'll move on and just quickly finish. Vision is no one pursue God. What is the vehicle? Our, when we gather together corporately. Our purpose is how can we get people to know and pursue God? What is the purpose? To inspire hope. Who is the audience? The community that God has joined us together with. What is the second part of vision? To live strong and prepare leaders. How do we do that? In live groups. In boot camps. Let me, let me say this again. IFC does not have live groups. We are first a live group that has a church. Okay. And so here's what I want to say to you. I want to encourage every person, if you're a part of a member of IFC, get in a live group. Why? Because it's a smaller community where you connect with people. The church is not Sunday morning where we meet together. The church is the, the, the live group. Am I making sense? It's where people know your name. It's people know your gifting. People know your, people who receive from you. And so I want to encourage you. What is the purpose? To impart faith. Who's the audience? The congregation. Third, do exploits. How? Through outreach, evangelism, mission, marketplace. Why? To infuse love. Who's? It's the crowd. Am I making sense? I'll talk about it more, but, but because of time, let me just quickly do this too and, and finish it. Number four, from the third for vehicles, number four, what are your values? What are values? Values are kind of like guardrails when you're driving. On the road, on the left side, on the right side, there are those barriers that you say, hey, stay on the road so that you don't go off track. All right? Those are those values that are there. Now, I have printed them out for you as IFC and, and, and sent it out to you. There are 12 of them that we have. You know, so the question always to ask in values is, 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 is our values aspirational or they're actual? That means, hey, is this something that we're trying to get to? Or is it like this now? And so usually they are both when it comes. Our values is our identity of who we are. It's our theology of what we say God is. It's our activity of how we do what we do. That means we value this. And so we make decisions based upon values. Am I making sense to you? We make decisions based upon values. Is this something that is important? And of course on your on your. Uh, on the sheet of paper, I'm going to give you those 12 values that are there. That, hey, 
Our value is we want to have intimacy with the Father. Our value is the Christ and his cross. We're going to talk about it. Sunday morning, whenever we preach, we are not giving you a three-point motivational message. We want to teach the word of God. We want to make the centrality of the cross and sin. We want to give the centrality of Jesus and his victory. Okay. And so there are some values that we have. You can look on the paper and spend time. And so when we gather together, hey, if you say these are your values, then guess what? The question is, when we gather together, is it authentic? My question, you know, I asked our leaders, hey, is our Sunday morning services, when we, is it real or are we putting on a show? Is it real? We asked the question, are we relevant? Are we, do we have fun in church? Or does everybody sit like a funeral? Can't wait to get out. Are we accepting of people? Is, it, is the presence of God felt? Is it felt? Is it spiritual? Do we teach the word? Do people learn the word? Do they learn who Jesus, who God is? His ways. And lastly, and I'll close with this, is, and I'll talk about this more next week, is the vibe. What is the vibe? Vibe means culture. What is culture? Culture means, hey, you say this, do I feel it? Do I see it? Do I experience it? You say that you value this, but I feel completely different. A vibe or a culture is the atmosphere. is the atmosphere that means you can have something in place but what is the vibe people feel when they meet you sometimes I don't know about you if you walked into a very nice house I mean you park the car and it's like wow very nice you know and then there you think when you go in the house you think oh my goodness I can't and you open the door and it's like oh my god Look at the dining table. I've never seen. Wow, look at this. But you're like, ooh, I just don't want to be here. Why? Because it's not the niceness. The, the whole atmosphere is very wrong in the house. You feel a different why? It's like, I know it's nice, but let's run. <laughs> why? You don't want. Or, or have you been to somebody's house? They invited you, and, and, and you walked in, and, and you just like, I think they just had a fight before I came. I think the why the, the whole atmosphere is, is very different. In the same way, the culture is, is how do you feel? What are you experiencing? He said, well, we love Jesus and you matter to us and, and, and we love you. Yeah, you're saying the right stuff, but I don't feel it. Because <laughs> the way you treat me, the way you talk to me, the way you, I don't, well, you say you're family, but, but, but I, I don't feel family. <laughs> I've been coming to church six weeks. Nobody even comes and says hello to me. It's not family. I, I understand what I'm trying to say. And so I tell people, okay, 
they are not coming to Nikki's church. There is no Nikki's church. It's God's church. And you and me have been added and planted by God here. Amen. And so when somebody comes to our church, let's treat them what we believe. What we believe. There are some people I know in church. <laughs> oh, well, I, I see some people, you know, for example, during Christmas time, you know, we are all like working, putting up tables and, and moving out. Some people are nicely sitting. That's not an IFC member. That's somebody who's aspiring to be one. <laughs> well, it's not my gift of hospitality. Then make it one. Jesus did not say, well, let me fill out this questionnaire. Well, I don't have that personality type, so sorry, lady, I can't pray for you. No. That's not who we want to be. Are you understand what I'm trying to say? Listen, you sir, when somebody says, hey, where is the bathroom? Well, you just go down the hall, make a... No, walk with them. You don't do that in your house, do you? You probably do, but what do you do? They come into your house. What do you do? You take their jacket. You tell them where to sit. You ask them. Now that's a family. Hello, somebody. And so, well, what is culture? Culture is saying, hey, these are the stuff we value. And, 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 and these are something you are going to experience. Am I making sense? Why do you go to Chick-fil-A? Because of Culture. Not because of food. Why? You walk into a Chick-fil-A, there is fresh flowers cut on the table. <laughs> you walk into a Chick-fil-A, they're like, doesn't matter what's going on, it's their pleasure to serve you. <laughs> Am I making sense to you? Listen, I want people to come to IFC. It'll be something like this. I'll just pray in just a moment. It'll be something like this. Somebody comes to IFC. They come to church. Next day, they go back to work. When they go back to work, they say to their colleagues, praise God. You know, I had this sickness in my body for so long. I went to this church. It's down on Broad River Road, you know, next to Murphy's gas station. I went to that church. They prayed for me. I am healed. Really? Yes. What church? This is how you go to church. Well, well, who prayed for you? I don't know. Well, well, tell me who prayed. I don't know. You see, it doesn't matter. They all pounce on you. I mean, I went there. I had this. I had 10 people praying for me. Who the pastor is? I don't know. But these people, they love God. And they love, why? As soon as they walked in, they came to me. They wanted coffee. They wanted this. They wanted to know my name. They wanted to know my social security number. Anyway. And then they like, why? Because they came in a family. Hello, somebody. What would Jesus do? That's why I studied Ephesians 5. He says, observe Jesus. Keep company. Love like that. Hello, somebody. Love like that. Here's what I want to say to IFC as we close this morning. I'm going to pick it up next week. And, uh, and I know it's a bit extended time for us to talk about these things. But listen, we can say all we want. 2023, but, but listen, the best year that you're going to have is the year that you're going to put into action. What is it that God is doing and saying with people? Something great cannot be done alone. Something great 
requires you to do it with people. Would you stand with me this morning?